0: podcast disclaimer. For all of those students studying this lesson through one of our podcast outlets, while podcasts are effective for training on the go, we believe the best way to study aviation is through visual learning. That being said, it may be beneficial to study this lesson through our video presentations at wi to experience the visual representations for deeper understanding. Thanks for studying with us. Wi-Fi CFI. All right, hello students and welcome to our private pilot certificates and documents lesson by Wi-Fi CFI. For our lesson today we are going to cover things such as the eligibility requirements, aeronautical knowledge, flight training, aeronautical experience, privileges and limitations, recency requirements, and medical certificates for the private pilot license or to acquire your private pilot certificate. The time frame will be about 35 to 40 minutes, uh, after watching this video, that also includes going over and taking the post-lesson quiz on Wi-Fi C5. And the sources we're going to be using today are the Federal Aviation Regulations Part 61. So let's go ahead and jump into it. The first thing that we're going to cover today are the eligibility requirements. So what are the steps that we need to meet, essentially, in order to get our private pilot certificate? First, we have to be at least 17 years old. So nobody younger than 17 can earn their private pilot license. Anybody seeking a private pilot certificate must also be able to read, write, speak, and understand English. That's the English proficiency. They must pass the FAA written exam. That's a multiple choice uh, test. It's a 60-question test that you'll take through the FAA. An FAA checkride exam, which is when a checkride examiner comes out and actually quizzes you on the ground and then goes up and flies with you to make sure that you know your stuff and that you're a safe and competent pilot. And lastly, in order to get your private pilot license, you must already hold either a student pilot license, a sport pilot license, or a recreational pilot certificate. So these are the different things. You got to be 17, read, write, and speak English, pass your FAA written test with at least a 70% score, pass your FAA check-write exam, and then hold a student sport or recreational pilot certificate. Let's talk about the aeronautical knowledge areas that we must be trained on in order to take our private pilot check ride. This reference is coming out of FAR61105 and it says that we must receive and log ground training on the following. Now we're gonna be going through these different things such as the aeronautical knowledge, the flight training, uh, the different hours, the privileges and limitations. Some of the things you're gonna to want to have memorized, but for the most part, these things here, you're just gonna to want to know where to find them. Okay. I wouldn't spend a whole bunch of time trying to record or trying to memorize, sorry, all of these different things that you need to get trained on during your ground school portion for your private pilot license. Don't spend a bunch of time trying to memorize these things. Mostly just understand where the reference is, where it can be found, and then you can go back in and look it up later. So this is in the FARS uh, section 61 part 105. Okay. It says that we need to be trained on all of these different things, such as applicable aviation regulations, how to report accidents um, and incidents to the NTSB, uh, using different Uh, FAA publications such as the AIM and advisory circulars using VFR charts, radio communication, weather, uh, safe and efficient operation of aircraft, density altitude, weight and balance, principles of aerodynamics, stalls and spins, recoveries, aeronautical decision-making and judgment, and then a whole bunch of different pre-flight action, runway lengths, takeoffs and landing distances, all this different kind of stuff. Now this is what Wi-Fi CFI was built for. We're going to go through and we're going to cover all of these different things that are required by the Federal Aviation Regulations in 61105 throughout the different lessons. So we're just kind of laying out the framework here and then we're going to go through and cover all these things in our different lessons on Wi-Fi CFI. So this is the aeronautical knowledge stuff that you need to know, 61105. Now moving into flight training, this reference is 61107. Now what the flight training is is it says that we need to receive and log ground training and flight training on the following things pre-flight preparation pre-flight procedures airport operations takeoffs landings and go-arounds performance maneuvers navigation stalls basic instrument maneuvers uh, emergency procedures night operations and post-flight procedures okay so that's in 61 107. So when you go out flying your flight instructor must cover these different things with you and you must receive and log the ground training and flight training on these different maneuvers for the flight training portion of your private pilot training. Next we have the aeronautical experience. So these are all the hours that we need to accomplish. Remember these are minimums. You can obviously go above these numbers but you can't have any less than these numbers. These are found in FAR 61109. So you must acquire the following flight hours. 40 hours of total flight time. Within that 40 hours, you must receive 20 hours of flight instruction. That means be with a flight instructor for at least 20 hours. During that 20 hours you're with your flight instructor, you have to do three hours of cross country and a three hours night flight. On that three hours of night flight, you have to do one cross country over 100 nautical miles and 10 takeoffs and landings to a full stop. So that's kind of how we set up these bullet points here. You've got the main header, the 40 hours of flight time, and then all the subcategories underneath that. And then you've got 20 hours of flight instruction and then all the subcategories underneath that. Okay. So then you also need to have three hours of simulated instrument flight. Again, that's with your flight instructor. And three hours of training in the previous two calendar months. Obviously, that's with your flight instructor because that is dual instruction or training. You're also gonna need 10 hours of solo flight time. In that 10 hours of solo flight time, this is you flying again in the airplane without your instructor, you're solo, okay? You have five hours of solo cross country. You have to do a long solo cross country flight that's at least 150 nautical miles with full stop landings at three points and one of the legs. Has to be greater than 50 nautical miles. So essentially you got three different legs on this long cross-country flight Total distance has got to be 150 and one of the legs has got to be greater than 50 And you have to do three teddy hops and landings to a full stop at an airport with an operating control tower So you're gonna to have to go to a towered airport when the tower is open You can't go after it closes or before it opens in the morning That tower's got to be open and you've got to do your landings at that airport with the tower open and you communicating with the air traffic control tower. so These are all the different hours that you're gonna to need to acquire to apply for your private pilot certificate. Again, this is in FAR 61109. Moving on to privileges and limitations of the private pilot. Now there are a lot of privileges and limitations. We're gonna go over just some of the main ones, okay? Some of the main ones you're gonna to wanna to have memorized. Again, you can jump back into 61.113. That's the reference for privileges and limitations and read a whole bunch more. There's a whole there's a whole bunch about uh, being an aircraft salesman, being an aircraft test pilot. There's all these different requirements and regulations. We're not gonna go over those kinds of things. We're, we're just gonna cover some of the more important items that we should have memorized. So as a private pilot, you cannot fly for compensation or hire. In other words, when you go flying, you can't charge people to come on the flight with you or you can't charge people to fly cargo from point A to point B. Okay, no making money. You can't be compensated or profit from your flying. The next one is that private pilots may not pay less than their pro rata share. What we mean here is that if you want to get into an airplane and make a cross country flight to some fun destination with your friends, you can do that. You can put a couple friends in the aircraft, go fly to um, Las Vegas or wherever you want to go for the weekend but you cannot pay less than what your share of that flight is. So in other words, you could split the expenses between all four of you. Say there was you and three friends. You had four on the flight. You could split the cost four ways, but you can't pay less than one fourth of the flight. That's against the rules because essentially at that point you would be flying for compensation or hire. You would be making money for your flying. So if it came out to a thousand bucks for the flight, split that four ways everybody would have to pay 250 dollars so you and your three passengers all pay 250 bucks equally that's your pro rate of share you can't pay less than your share of the flight okay you can be pic for a charitable nonprofit or community event flight in other words if you do one of these things you can be compensated for it or reimbursed for it. i shouldn't say compensated you can't make money from it but you can be reimbursed for your flight expenses if you're doing a charitable nonprofit. profit or community event flight. You can also be reimbursed for search and rescue operations if the search and rescue operations are deemed by the appropriate agency, such as you know the local law enforcement or some search and rescue agency. You can be reimbursed for those expenses if you're doing search and rescue operations. Again can't make money, but you can be reimbursed for what it costs you. And you can't fly in weather conditions less than VMC. We're gonna go deep into the differences between VMC and IMC and VFR and IFR in our National Airspace System lesson and in other lessons on Wi-Fi CFI. Just know that there are certain weather conditions that you cannot fly in when you only have a private pilot license to unlock essentially the ability to fly in worse weather you're gonna to need to get your instrument rating. So you can't get compensated. You can fly for charity, you know, community events or, uh, or search and rescue operations, and you can't fly in certain weather conditions. These are the main ones. Again, there are a whole bunch more in 61.113 that you can go ahead and look up. But these are the ones that we would suggest having memorized for both your written test and your checkride and just for flying in general. Next, we have recency requirements. So if you want to act as PIC, which stands for pilot in command, you want to be the captain, the pilot in command on a flight, there are certain things that you have to do. First, you just have to complete a flight review with a CFI. How often do you need to complete these flight reviews? It's every 24 calendar months. So if you want to keep your private pilot certificate essentially active, okay, it's always active, but if you want to be pilot in command on a flight, you have to meet with a certified flight instructor at least every 24 calendar months and go and do a flight and some ground school with them. When you go and do that, you have to do at least one hour of ground school and one hour of flying with that flight instructor and then they can sign off your logbook for your flight review and then you're good to be PIC for another 24 calendar months. Now. What if you want to be PIC and carry passengers during the day? So now you want to be PIC and you want friends to come along with you, friends or family members, you know, in the back seats, in the co-pilot seat, whatever. If you want to carry passengers during the day, you have to have done your flight review still. In addition to doing your flight review, you have to have done three takeoffs and landings during the day in the same category, class, and type of aircraft. In other words, if you want to go fly somebody in a Cessna 172, you would have had to have done three takeoffs and landings during the day in the last 90 days in an airplane single-engine land aircraft in order to carry passengers during the day. Now, say you had not done that, then you would have to go and get your three takeoffs and landings, and then you could take passengers with you. Say, for instance, you had done three takeoffs and landings in a multi-engine aircraft, but you hadn't done them in a single engine aircraft, well then you could carry passengers in a multi-engine aircraft, but you couldn't carry passengers in a single engine aircraft because it doesn't meet the category, class, and type. All right, so just remember if you're gonna be flying them in single engine aircraft, you have to have done three takeoffs and landings during the day in the last 90 days in a single engine aircraft and the same for a multi-engine airplane. Now, what if you want to be PIC and carry passengers on board with you at night? It's essentially the same thing. You have to have done three takeoffs and landings at night within the last 90 days in the same category, class, and type. However, the landings at night must have been to a full stop, so they can't be touch and goes. You have to actually land, come to a full stop, taxi off the runway, or do a stop and go and take back off again. You have to do three of those, so full stop landings for night within the last. 90 days in order to carry passengers at night to recap this real quick. If you just want to act as PIC and fly completely by yourself, the only thing you have to do is get a flight review every 24 calendar months. If you want to carry passengers during the day, you would have had to have a flight review within the last 24 months. You would have had to also have done your takeoffs and landings during the day within the last 90 days carry passengers at night. Again, you would have had to have your flight review within the last 24 calendar months. And you would have had to do three full stop takeoffs and landings at night within the last 90 days in the same category, class, and type. Now, what's the next question? What counts as night landings? It's the period beginning one hour after sunset to one hour before sunrise. So if you want to carry passengers during this time, between one hour after sunset to one hour before sunrise, you would have had to have done your three night landings in that time frame as well, between one hour after sunset, to one hour before sunrise, in order for those night landings to count toward your night recency. And those are the different recency requirements for either just acting as PIC flying by yourself or carrying passengers during the day or night. Now let's jump into medical certificates. These can get a little bit difficult, but we're going to try and make it as easy and simple to remember as possible. So first, pilots must have a medical certificate with a few exceptions. To exercise the privileges of their airman certificate. So if you've got your private pilot license, you gotta have a medical certificate in order to use your private pilot license. However, once you obtain a medical certificate, you still must comply with FAR 6153, which states a pilot cannot act as a crew member on an aircraft if they know or have reason to know of any medical condition that would make them unsafe to operate that aircraft. That's kind of the FAA's catch-all right there. What they're trying to say is that even if you have a medical certificate, but something happens and you know that you have a medical condition that would make you unsafe to fly the aircraft, you can't just go fly and say, well, I've got my medical certificate, so I'm good. You know, I can't get in trouble. If you know of a medical condition that would make you unsafe, you can't go fly. Okay. That's again, that's just kind of their catch all to make sure that we're being safe while we're flying. This is what a medical certificate would look like. You can see from the picture, this is a third class medical certificate. How do we get one of these things? Medical certificates are obtained from an AME, an aviation medical examiner. Now, you can't just go to any doctor. You can't just go to your family practice doctor and say, hey, I want to get my my uh, medical, my pilot medical certificate. They won't know what you're talking about. Or maybe they do know what you're talking about, but they're not qualified to do it. So you have to find what's called an aviation medical examiner. These are essentially doctors that have been approved by the FAA to give out these medical certificates. You can find a full list of AMEs in your area on the FAA's website. So if you go to FAA.gov, there's a spot in the top right corner of the page. Uh, It's kind of like a drop-down menu. You can get to where you can put in your uh, zip code or the city that you live in, and it'll populate a whole list of AMEs in your area. You can then go ahead and contact them and schedule a time to do your physical to get your medical certificate. This is the easy part of the medical certificates. Let's get into the more difficult parts of them. So there are essentially three different kinds of medical certificates. We got a first class, a second class, and a third class. We're gonna go through them and talk about them in order. So what does a first class medical certificate allow you to do? First, it allows you to exercise the privileges of an ATP certificate. So if you're an airline transport pilot, you have an airline transport pilot license In order to use the privileges of that license, you have to have a first class medical certificate. How long does the first class medical certificate last? It depends. It depends on if you are under or over 40 years old. If you're less than 40 years old, it will last you for 12 months. If you're over 40 years old, it will last you for six months. Okay, that's the first class medical. The second class medical, is used to exercise the privileges of a commercial pilot certificate. So now if you have a commercial pilot license and you want to use all of those wonderful privileges that you've been awarded for earning your commercial pilot certificate, you have to have at least a valid second class medical. How long are these good for? Again, age comes into play. If you're less than 40 or if you're over 40, it doesn't actually matter for the second class medical. They are good for 12 calendar months regardless. That's the second class medical. And a third class medical is the last one. This is basically the medical certificate to do anything else. So these are used to exercise the privileges of a student pilot license, you know, flying solo or to take a check ride, any check ride, um, to use your private pilot license. Those different kinds of things are third class medicals. In other words, you would just have to have a third class medical to do these different types of operations. What are their privilege durations? If you're under 40, It's good for 60 calendar months, which is basically five years. And if you're over 40, it's good for 24 calendar months or two years. Now, one thing I want to point out to you is that as we've been talking about these different classes of medical certificates, you can notice that I've put privilege durations. So first class privilege duration, second class privilege durations. What we're going to talk about now is the total duration of the medical certificates. Okay. What I mean by this, this is where it gets a little bit convoluted, a little bit confusing, but I'm going to try and clear it up the best that I can. If you have a first class medical certificate, so if you're an individual, you've gone to your AME and you've gotten a first class medical, your medical certificate class never changes. It's always going to be a first class medical certificate. Okay, the t- The class of the medical certificate, again, Remember this, it doesn't ever change. Your first class medical will never turn into a second class medical or turn into a third class medical. If you've got a first, it's always a first. If you've got a second, it's always a second. You got a third, it's always a third, all right? However, as time goes, you can lose privileges, all right? So say you got a first class medical certificate. You would have a first class medical certificate with first class privileges, For 12 months if you're under the age of 40. After 12 months, we'd kind of skip the second class privilege durations because they're only good for 12 months as well. So after 12 months, you would have now a first class medical certificate with third class privileges. Let's go ahead and put these total durations up here and I'll continue to explain it afterwards. So how long is a first class medical certificate good for the certificate itself, not the privileges of the certificate, but the actual class it's total duration if you're under 40 is 60 calendar months if you're over 40 it's 24 calendar months second class total durations if you're under 40 60 over 40 24 and third class if you're under 40 it's 60 calendar months and if you're over 40 it's 24 calendar months geez that's hard to say with all those different numbers what we're trying to say here is that if all of these medicals are good for these durations Right. It doesn't matter which medical certificate you get. That medical certificate is going to be good for 60 months if you're under 40 and 24 months if you're over 40 years old. However, the privileges, again, like we talked about, will degrade with time, but it will always be a first class medical certificate until the total durations expire. But the privileges will degrade with time. Let's go ahead and look at an example. On our next slide. Here's our example. A 42-year-old gentleman provides you with a first-class medical certificate. So they come in they say, hey, here's my first class medical and you go ahead and take a look at it. You notice that the certificate is 18 months old. So which class is the medical certificate? It's still a first class medical. All right. Remember back from our previous slide, I'll go back there, first class Over 40, the gentleman is 42, his first class privileges are only good for 6 months, but his first class total duration is good for 24 months. So if we go back, he is a 42 year old gentleman with a first class medical and his medical is 18 months old. So he still has a first class medical certificate. It doesn't change to a second class and then a third class, still a first class. However, which privileges does he have now? He has third class privileges. Why? Let's go back to the previous slide again and look at it. If this gentleman has a first class medical, he is over 40. In other words, he had first class privileges for the first six months after he got his medical certificate. After that six months, he had first class privileges or first class medical, sorry, with second class privileges for another six months because it's 12 months for the second class. So six plus six is 12. After that 12 months was up, remember his certificate is 18 months old, it turns into a third class privileges, still a first class medical, but it changes to third class privileges for the last six months or for the last 12 months. Meaning that this gentleman, since his certificate is 18 months old, He has a first-class medical certificate with 6, 12, where does the 18 fall? 18 falls in the third-class privilege category. So he's got a first-class medical certificate with third-class medical certificate privileges. What we're trying to say here is that if this individual has an ATP certificate, he can't use it anymore, okay? He cannot exercise the privileges of his airline transport pilot license because he's beyond the six months. He also can't use the privileges of his commercial pilot certificate because he's beyond the 12 months. He's at 18 months. He can, however, exercise the privileges of a private pilot or a student pilot or one of the other things, you know, all the other things that you can do with the third class medical. He can still do those things because he still has third class privileges. He just doesn't have second or first class privileges, so he can't exercise his ATP or his commercial pilot certificate. So that is a little bit confusing. Just remember the biggest thing to have memorized here is, is the medical certificate classes do not degrade with time, but medical certificate privileges do. As time goes, the privileges will degrade from first to second to third class privileges. But the actual class of the medical certificate will always be whatever it was that you acquired in the beginning. Class doesn't change. Privileges I don't know how many times I've said that so far, but just trying to nail that down into your brain. I know it's a little bit confusing. You might want to watch this a couple different times to kind of catch everything, but that's how medical certificates work. And that is it for our private pilot certificates and documents lesson today. In this lesson, we discussed the eligibility and training requirements for an individual to achieve their private pilot license. We also discuss private pilot privileges and limitations and the durations and privileges associated with the different types of of medical certificates now lastly before we close up again i wouldn't spend too much time on trying to memorize a whole bunch of these different things such as you know the aeronautical um, knowledge and the flight training requirements those different things don't try to memorize them just know where you can find them in the federal aviation regulations so you can go back and check it's not really that beneficial to be able to name all of those things right off the top of your head okay Some of the things that you are probably going to want to have memorized are the hours that you're going to want to have to get to get your private pilot license. That's the aeronautical experience. And then how the medical certificates work and the medical certificate durations. Those are the things that you're going to want to have memorized from this lesson. Everything else, you're just going to want to know where to find them in the FARs. And you saw that we had those different references on each slide of the presentation. So now you can go ahead and take the private pilot certificates and documents quiz back on Wi-Fi CFI. This here is the first slide of the quiz. So you see you can put your your name here in this field as the student's name. And then whatever email address you put in the instructor's email box will receive a copy of the quiz scores. If you want to put your own email address in here, that's totally fine. You'll get emailed a copy of your quiz results. Or if you want to put your instructor's email here, you can also put your instructors. And so they will get a copy of your quiz scores as well. So thanks for joining us on this lesson, guys. And we will see you on our next one soon.